We're Christ, right? I believe everybody in here is part of is and made Jesus Lord of their life. If not, today's the day for that. So if Jesus is Lord of your life, then you are Christ. You are Christ's child. You are Christ's chosen. And he says, he said, have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires, and we live in the Spirit. Then let us also walk by the Spirit and not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So when when we don't allow ourselves to see the things and, and latch on, sure, they're going to be there. So we're going to have times where we get mad. So we're going to have times where we're tempted to these things, but we don't let us things latch on and say, nope. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit today. Then we'll see our life, our attitude, our home life, our, our whatever's going on around us change because we're being led by the Holy Spirit. And so that's my prayer today, that you let yourself be led by the Holy Spirit and these fruits that are from Him will just, will just come out and people will know, hey, that's a child of God. Not because you said anything, but because of how you live your life every day and how you handle situations. So, so remember that. Remember that today. Um, let's receive our offering just now. Amen. Yeah. If you didn't get off an envelope when you come in, then, then we can help you with that if you need one. If not, then, then we, everybody knows that we've got an offering envelope. Um, I didn't have any prayer requests presented to me this morning. I did, too. I did, too. Um, Drew's dad, Greg, is in the hospital. Um, we want to remember him this morning. I don't know. He's having some chest pains really bad. They, they don't know what it is. They're giving him morphine, and it's not helping none. So we want to pray that God's hands um, and healings on him this morning, that, that uh, God will work and move in that hospital room where he's at, and his pain will stop and cease, and, and no more chest or heart problems whatsoever. Um, so all right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we love you and we praise you. Uh, this time that we get to come together and join as one body and one accord and, and, and for one reason only is to lift up the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this opportunity and this time. We don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted. But that we come in here with a purpose to lift your name on high. And God, we just ask that you continue to work and move and touch in people's hearts and lives this morning as you already have. And that we'll, we'll fully open ourselves up and, and let God let you do what you would have in our lives today. Father, we thank you for it. We pray for Greg right now. Where is that in this hospital room with these chest pains going on? And Father, we just thank you that you touch him right now, that your healing hands on him. That these chest pains are go in the name of Jesus, Father. Your your word does not have a boundary of, of where it can meet and, and work. But Father, we speak to him right now where he's at. And Father, we just send your word forth that he's healed right now. And we thank you for that. Thank you, God. We're gonna we're gonna hear a good report back from it. God, that he's totally healed and no more problems whatsoever. And we thank you. And that you're working and moving in his life. Father, we just ask that you just again touch and move in this time. Be with Pat as he comes, bring the word this morning. Father, that he has boldness, clarity of speech, clarity of mind, that we can, we can uh, understand and know what you have for us today and the word that you've given him. And we thank you for it, Father. We ask that you bless this time of giving this morning. You just touch and move in people's hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A couple other things that I forgot announcement-wise before Pat comes. Um, the Vacation Bible School will be June 21st, or 14th, 21st, and 28th on those three Wednesday nights from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. So we met last week, and people volunteered to lead different things. Don't forget that. If you volunteered to lead, if you want to help out, then go see Jenny, and, and she will get you somewhere and get you something to do. But um, there's, there's T-shirts. We've got to order for them on that back bulletin board. And if you would like to order one, then, uh, then the money be due today. So if, if you want a T-shirt, then we need the money in today so we can get those ordered to, um, to make sure that they're here in time. Also, the hats. I put that out there last week. If you want a hat with a Victor Fellowship Church logo on it, 
um, and then we're ordering those here in the next couple of weeks. Put your name down, and we'll get together and get the money together for them. There's twenty dollars for the hat, or the camo's like twenty-five or something like that. But um, but all right, children go to children's church this morning. Man. Amen. Y'all ready to receive the word this morning? All right. I'm expecting that you open up your hearts, open up your minds to receive and let God work in your life. Come on, brother. This thing on? What? Yep, it's on. That's right. Well, it's... Um, Great to be in the house of the Lord. You know, there's lots of places, lots of folks can be, and there's lots of places, and lots of folks are this morning. Um, you chose to be here, and it's by no accident you're here. Um, you will be uh, blessed for your obedience and your love, um, and you have to understand that. Today we're going to talk a little bit about, um, everybody knows the Lamb, you know, as God, uh, you know, our Savior, that, um, you know, what He did for our sins, He gave His life um, in every aspect. You know, he, he died for the sins that we committed, He died for the sins that we're going to commit, um, He knows all, He did all. You know, when looking at this world um, and everything that's going on, I think everybody's got a good understanding in the church of, of what Christ did, yeah. that, that lamb. And you ask yourself, well, why is so much stuff happening um, in the world around us? Why is so much stuff happening in our communities? If we can all come together, and you know those numbers are still high, and we can all come together and say, hey, we're part of the body of Christ, we're Christian, uh, you know, we're following God's statutes and God's laws and God's commandments. Then why do we continue to be overtaken? I mean, it's not a world problem. It's not a political problem. It's not a social problem. It's a spiritual problem. So we have continued to allow, and not just in recent, I mean, it's not, you know, this generation or that generation or, or whatever labels you want to put on it. I mean, it's been going on for centuries um, of where we've got to where we're at. Can you cut me down in the monitors just a little bit? It's kind of parting my hair a little bit. <laughs> kind of getting an echo quite a bit. So all these things have been going on. So we can't place it to one particular group, one people, one anything. Uh, it's been going on since beginning of time. Um, you know, basically, and that's part of our problems. You know, the title of this message is, is what is the answer? We all know the answer. Yeah. Every one of us. We all know the answer. I mean, the easy answer is, is uh, God's got it all. He's, he sent His Son. Um, you know, we're saved. We're, we're going to have eternal life. And that's all true. But that's not the whole answer. We're good at giving um, the lamb answer. But what about that line? Where is that line in our world today? Where is that line in our church today? So, you know, in, uh, on Wednesday nights, the young adults, we're studying and we're going through different history throughout the Old Testament. You know, a lot of folks just stay strictly in the New Testament. It's like the Old Testament don't exist but I'm not one of those. And I think there's a lot of us that are not one of those. But I think it's time we start getting back to the basics. Right? I mean, everything we do, you know, so you go watch, uh, you know, the high school football team or the high school baseball or basketball or whatever. You go watch them and, you, and they're not doing good. What, what's the first thing you say? Well, you know, they need to get back to the basics. They need to get back to learning how to field the ball, how to throw the ball, how to catch the ball. You know how to watch the ball. Same thing in football. We need to get back to basics. We need to learn how to tackle again. We need to learn how to get down in three-point stance. 
I mean, it, it worked for so many years. I don't know why we do this anymore. I mean, is it because we can't get in the three-point stance? Is it, is it because we can't get low? But it's the same way in our Christian life. You know, used to, even, you know, 30-plus years ago when I was young and I was in church, you know, you heard a lot of fire and brimstone. But somewhere along the lines, we decided we're going to take the fire out of it and the brimstone. It's all about love and peace and, and puppy dogs and sunshine. And there's a lot of truth in it. I'm standing before you because God had mercy and grace and come down and gave me a way out. We all did. There's no, there's no getting away from that. But I think we need to go back and look at different times and understand how we got there. I can tell you how I got there. I got there because I hit bottom. I got there because I was afraid I could no longer do anything. I could no longer come out of it. I could no longer fix it. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I feared what the next day was going to be like. So I turned to God and I gave it to God. We all did that. But somewhere along the lines, we forgot the line. You know, we forgot that some of the things that we can't accomplish and some of the things we can't hold on to, the one thing that is missing from the church today greatly is the fear of the Lord. There's a lot of people out there that will tell you, well, you know, God's not going to do anything. He's not going to punish you. He's not going to, he's not going to strike you down. And there's some truth in that, but there's also a lot of truth in how are we corrected. The Bible tells us, they make light of it, but how are we corrected? How do we learn? How do we keep going forward? I mean, he makes references that in the Bible that, that he corrects us just as a father corrects his own son. So how did we correct our own son? Is that, is that broken? I mean, is, is there any fear? I mean, we're going to talk about all this, but we're going to go through a little bit of history uh, first thing this morning. It was Genesis 9, verse 11. It says, Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Never again. And God said, This is my my sign of the covenant which I make between me and you, that every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. So perpetual. What does perpetual mean? Perpetual means never ceasing, uh, continuing forever in future time, destined to be eternal. So God has started off and He's made this covenant. We all know what happened. We all know about Noah's Ark. We all know, but... Think about the time leading up to the ark. I mean, how can we ignore what's going on today and not see the comparison? And that's only one. There's many comparisons. I mean, you know, we've been talking about the chosen people of God uh, that was led out of Egypt, uh, you know, the Israelites. We've been talking about those people on Wednesday nights. Think about what they did for those 40 years. So think about it. How different is the world today than it was then? It wasn't. What are we doing today that is the same that they were doing then? We're serving ourselves. We're an evil people. We're an evil nation full of anger, full of malice, full of self-serving, full of self-gratification. I mean, think about what's going on. Who would ever thought that we would be where we're at today, where somebody running for president, anybody running for president, could use social issues to gain status. Who would have ever thought that we lived in a time that just because of social status, a president gets elected? I mean, we've had several elected since I've been an adult, or classified an adult. But who would have thought... That it comes down to that. So again, I tell you, we don't have political problems. I mean, if you turn on the, the news, everything you, you talk about has got to do with, with gender. It's got to do with guns. It's got to do with violence. It's got to do with abortion. So at what point are we going to back up 
and take some of this back. At what point? I mean, what is missing from the equation? I mean, you got people standing up saying, I am, I'm Christian, I'm conservative, I follow the laws and the statutes that God has before me, but then we still do the things we do. Right? I mean, we still have the president we have. Again, it's a spiritual issue. It's a very, a very spiritual and a very evil time that we live in. Verse 13 says, And I have sent my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be, it shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen. Verse 15 says, And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy Destroy all flesh. <clears throat> Genesis eight twenty two says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall, shall not cease. I mean, who would have thought that at some point that we'd have got to where they steal our covenant sign from God to use as what it's being used for? I mean, does that not does that not stir something up in you? That the devil has got in and stole something that when we look to the sky, which is supposed to remind us how great and how sovereign and how powerful and mighty that line that we serve really is. We're missing that. God is calling for warriors. Both loving and strong. Both sensitive and victorious. I mean, think about the essence of love. Think about where you're at, where, how many children you've had, or grandchildren, or nephews, or nieces. Think about why you correct them. Think about it. It's because you love them. That is how big and that is how great love is, but you cannot have it one without the other. Your love is greater because of the fear of what could happen. You know, I don't fear God to come against me with all His might. I can look out around me and see what God has made, and I have reverence and I have fear of what He could do. Not because I've seen it, but because I've read about it. Jesus come and did not take. His salvation for us was not an escape from punishment. And that has continued to be what is preached in a lot of churches today. I mean, the Bible talks about end times. There has to be a great falling away, so the church has to fall away. What are we seeing today? What are we seeing? The church is falling away, and I don't care what denomination you belong to or don't belong to, uh, uh, independent, uh, whatever. Every church is going through struggles. Every church is going through battles. Not just the ones that are publicized. I mean, they all are going through struggles and battles. That is telling us the time is near. Churches are falling away. Now, how can we fall away? How can you, as a, as a member of the body of Christ, a member of, of whatever denomination, how can you start changing what the Bible says unless you have no fear? Right? So, you know, I've got a lot of young kids that work with me during the summers. We use a lot of different tools and, and uh, you know, tractors and bush hogs and different things. And so we have to work our way into some of this equipment. So a chainsaw. chainsaw can do a lot of damage. It can do a lot of damage to you. You have to, you have to work at it. You have to think about it. You have to be conscious. You have to have respect for it. Everything we come in contact in life, we have to understand both sides of it. So just like a chainsaw, I don't not grab the chainsaw because I'm scared of it. I respect it. Right? I mean, we use all these things. Look, I mean, I don't not turn the light switch on because I'm scared that the electricity is going to electrocute me. I respect it. I know how it works. I know that there's a danger associated with that. What are we missing in the world today? We're missing that fear. Somebody has convinced the masses that there's no fear. There's, there's no correction. And the correction comes in a hug. Right? 
Well, it does. There's some truth in that, but that is not the whole truth. I'm speaking from personal experience. When God has corrected me, I've been on my knees and I've been crying. I'm not scared of any man walking on two feet. Never. Never have been. Whether And it's not that I was so mean or tough. It's probably because I wasn't that smart. But when God corrects me, He takes me down to where I need to be. And to think we serve a God that we're just going to hug it out. And there's a time that He hugs me. There's things that I've done that He's hugged me about. There's things that He's reassured me, His love for me. There's things that He said, I don't really have to reassure it. I gave my only begotten Son so that you should have life and have life eternal. I want only great things for you. I want the best things for you. But you live in the world that you live in, and so there will be suffering. Just as my son suffered, you shall suffer. But none of us suffered and has suffered to the point of blood. We hadn't had to give our life. Maybe we will never have to give our life. But again, we have to understand that where it is, where the fear is, we have to understand um, the similarities in, in the world today and the world back then. In the very beginning, we have to understand these things. I want you to think about so why is the things that we get involved in in the world, why are they so easily dealt with? Why is it only the things of God that we have so many challenges with? I mean, think about it. So out in the world, we have to go to work. We, we have to make money. We have to uh, provide for our families. We have to do all these things, right? So why do we seem not to have an issue with being obedient in the world? And I'm talking about, you know, the ones of us that actually do what God says and try to follow man's laws and we try to do good. We try to glorify God in everything that we do and, and by the example. And, and I'm not talking about the ones that, that are coming up nowadays where, you know, nobody goes to work. But why is it for us that I can get up and I can go to work and I can be obedient and I can not dread going to work and, and I can go through work and I can come home, I can not be in a bad mood, but why, when it comes to being obedient to God, do we have so many issues? I mean, am I the only one that has issues with that? I mean, think about it. The things of the world seem to just roll right off us, like water off a duck's back. Things for God, we really have to concentrate, meditate, pray, and work, and sweat, and toil, and worry, and, and anxiety. Why do you think that is? Because that devil that we thought we were better than and smarter than that's been roaming thirds for thousands of years, he's done figured a few things out, right? Right? He's done figured lots of things out. Productivity. So how many, you know, when you go to work, you've got to get X amount done, right? What happens if you don't get it done? Don't got no job. Ain't got no money. I mean, what happens at your home? What happens when your daddy says, all right, today I'm going to work, son. You're out of school for summer. I want this done, this done, this done. What happens when you don't get it done? Do we have a timeout? Maybe. I mean, and I'm not against timeouts. I would love. It just didn't work with my kids. Now, I'm sure there's some out there that it works with. I've heard stories, and, and I tried it, but it didn't work. But what happens when we don't get it done? What happens? What happens when God commands us to do the things we He's commanded us to do and we don't do them? I mean, now granted, He has mercy, He has grace. Just like fathers has grace. I mean, you can ask my kids, the first time they disobeyed me, did I, did I come at them with the back door? No. I didn't. And God's not. But there's a limit to this. Just like, I mean, think about how long it took to build art. Think about how long Noah preached and nobody was added to the Lord. Right? Think about it. Think about who sealed the door on the ark. 
Did Noah hang on the side of it and screw it off? You know, with wood pegs or steel or whatever, you know, they could fasten back in the day. Did he seal it off? I mean, a lot of people don't think about that. But think about who sealed the door and why he sealed the door. I mean, that's pretty monumental. That's, that's big. That's huge. God sealed the door. I mean, think about the magnitude of that. Why would you not fear what you know already? How many perished in the, in the exile when they led the people from Israel out of Egypt? I'm not going to tell you the answer. But we've been talking about it for two or three weeks. But I challenge you to look it up. How many Israelites made it into the promised land? Not going to give you that answer either. I mean, there was bunches of people left Egypt. And not all just Israelites. Does that mean that we serve a, a mean God or a bad God or an unloving God? No, look at what he did to get them there. Look what he did to get them there. And then look at what they did. I mean, how easy is it to complain? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard not to get caught up in everything that we got going on in the world. When everything you flip on is just garbage. But if that wasn't bad enough, the sad part is, is it's infiltrated our churches. So how many churches look real similar to what the world looks like? How many things have we got going on in church that should not be going on in church? How many things do we question? You know, I heard, uh, and we talk about it quite a bit. You know, we talk about the country we live in and our freedoms. That we live in the greatest country in the world. And we do. And we have all these freedoms that somebody fought and died for that God actually built this country on. But I want you to think about your freedoms. Are your freedoms really freedoms? Or what we love in is the fact that we finally got to a point in our society and in our life that we're free to do whatever we want, how we want, when we want, with no recourse. Think about it. And so we even do that in church. We got churches splitting, not just because of, of, of moral issues, but because they, they cut trees where they want to put a playground and somebody got mad because they cut this tree. Or we play contemporary music and we don't play old music. Or we have groves leaving because we don't have any contemporary music and it's just hymnals. Or we don't have Sunday school. Or we don't have children's church. Think about when church started. And you can start seeing some similarities of the world we live in today and what our church has done. I can remember when I was going to church. We had Sunday school before we had church, right? You know, so we come and we had a Sunday school class and it was broke up, different age groups. And, and, and a lot of people had that. Uh, so somewhere along the lines, we, we kind of, some of them had that. Some of them didn't. Some of them had like children's church. So you have children's church, and then now churches have got like youth. So we have a youth service geared just for the youth. Is the country we live in a better place today? Just say, and my dad, he's like old as dirt. So from the time he started till now, yeah, he's right back here. Um, so are we in a better place spiritually? And physically than what we were. So I didn't have children's church. What I had is I sat right there with my mother and my daddy. And guess what I had to do? Behave. Guess what I didn't do? I didn't behave. But guess what else happened? Is I ended up behaving. Right? So, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with any of these these things that we do, but we got to have structure. We got to have a family. So, 
You know, Ronald Reagan even made the statement that, you know, how this country can be destroyed, and I'm paraphrasing, is basically destroy the family. All right, so how many here is in a broken home? I'm raising my head because I am. Right? I no longer have a broken home. Now, there's some physical aspects of it that are still kind of broken. And some days it's easier for me to deal with than others. But my God, my God, the healer. My God, the Savior. My God, the victorious. My God that created everything we've seen coming here this morning. My God that gave us a place to gather in His name. My God... That, that helped a man part the Red Sea. My God that raised people from the dead. And I say, Luke, there's the interesting story. We're not going there. My God that, that raised people from the dead is the same God that will repair my family. Are they repaired yet? It depends on what day. We're working on it. We have lots of children Lots of adults that all come from messed up homes, right? So, if my God is all that, then can we not get through it? I mean, look at everything that's happening. Again, we're not trying to, to, to throw off our problems. We're trying to fix our problems. But the church is kind of doing what the government is doing right now. So rather than going to the root and discussing the root and figuring out the root, we're trying to put band-aids on everything. Right? I mean, that's what, what they do. So all right, so this side of the church is offended by what I just said. So we're going to put a wall up and they're going to be here. This side likes it, so we're going to praise them and we're going to give them some money and then we're going to give you more money because you don't like it. Right? So tomorrow we're all going to go to work and everybody's going to make the same. Whether you work or not. Again, a lot of times our churches has, has turned to that program and I don't think we're in a better place today because of it. And I don't know when it happened and why it happened. If it was my generation, if it was one, it does not really matter. What matters is what we do from this point going forward. So Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, the wages of sin is death. So God tells us that if we sin, the wages of it are death. Not just spiritual, but physical. Not just eternity, but today. I mean, think about it. How much more common can it be? You engage in wrong activity and there's a good possibility that you're going to end up wrong. Right? You associate with people that live on that side of the fence, then guess what? Y'all will both probably be on that side of the fence. Right? It's common sense. The Bible does not say that your salvation is a get-out-of-jail-free card. It says, Romans six fifteen through 17, or 15 through 16 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law? Right? You know, because we abolish. You know, and some people think that means that we just take the Old Testament and we just rip that part out or just go by the New Testament. We ignore everything. Right? That's not what he's saying. He said, so what then? Shall we, uh, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Well, I don't remember a whole lot about English class, but, you know, certainly is a pretty strong word and not. And then that thing at the end of it, what's it called? Yeah, what's that called? An explanation point. What did they tell you in English? I remember a moment of it. But they said, hey, that is a huge point there. Certainly not. Now, I know me being a corn picker, if I can understand that, then it shouldn't be that hard. We shouldn't be left up to... To everybody's interpretation of that. What then? Shall we sin because we are under 
law, but under grace? Certainly not. I mean, is there any way to take it? So again, God's correction is not the same as God's salvation. You know, God corrects us. Why? Because He loves us. God corrects us because He wants us to do His will. God corrects us because He wants the best for us. God corrects us because He He doesn't want any to perish. Any. Any to perish. He corrects us because He wants us to share with one another. I mean, think about it. When you were little, and of course I did it. I, I did everything the hard way, I think, growing up. So I learned a lot of hard lessons, which just made me pretty tough. But, you know, the stove is on. I mean, really, you can feel the heat off of it, right? I mean, I know that as an adult, but when you're young, you know, you're just, I don't know, it's like your nerves and your brain's not connected. And so by the time your brain says, hey, that might be hot, you done touched it, right? So what do you do? Do you not ever build a fire? Do you not ever cook on it? Do you not ever use it? Again, we, we persevere. We, we go on. We learn. Um, and we continue to learn. It says Hebrews twelve seven. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all are partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Now, there's a lot of folks and a lot of churches and a lot of places in the world that have took that verse and made it into flowers and hugging. And, and there is some hugging in there. Again, do not get me wrong. I mean, I'm pretty plain spoken. I'm not a theologian. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not as learned as some people. But again, it's pretty plain. I mean, it tells us. You can dissect it any way you want to dissect it. And it still says the same, God chastises us. Not only does he chastise us, he tells us if you're not, then guess what? Something's not right. If God's not dealing with me on something, you know, when I got saved for that moment, I was made the righteousness of God. And for that moment, man, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect in my life. That moment, nothing was wrong. It was great. And then what happened? I left that moment. You know, you get in the world, you get around people, you start listening to things, and then, you know, things get twisted up, word gets watered down, and then next thing you know, you're right back where you started. So again, we have to understand that being chastised, and that God does chastise us. Second Samuel seven fourteen fifteen says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with, with the rod of men and, and with the blows of the sons of men. Verse 15 says, But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I have removed from before you. Again, we all know what happened to Saul. And I think that may be part of the problem, is there's a lot of folks in the body of Christ that doesn't know what happened to Saul. And again, he doesn't say that he's, that he's dropping you to the end. He says, I will have mercy. I think we've all lived through God's mercy. See, what happened to me is not what I deserve. Right? I didn't deserve what God gave me. God chose me. Jesus chose me to be his. I deserve much worse. But I'm living proof that God's mercy gave me that chance. Right? Again, I think it's getting back to the basics. It's getting back to understanding um, that that fear that we have is fear. I mean, there's no other way. A fear of the Lord will help you overcome the fears of this world. Right? Because think about it. The fears of this world is what's causing you to do some of the things that you're not. But we've been told... That we get unlimited, infinity amount of chances. 
And there's some truth to that. But without fear, I want to ask you, without fear of the Lord, do you have repentance? What worketh repentance in you? Now, I'm going to tell you just from personal experience, sometimes I feel sad. Sometimes I feel sorry. Sometimes I feel anxiety, and I repent because I feel bad. But sometimes I repent because in fear. And fear of reverence and respect and the sovereignty of God and knowing what He can do if He so chooses to do. Right? So think about that. Think about repentance. Think about how many people. I mean, I've been asking myself a lot. You know, do I repent? Do I repent every day? Do I repent once a week? Do I repent? Ask yourself. Write it down. You know, I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, look, when you have thoughts, sometimes if you'll just write them down, you know, and and keep up with things and just, you know, like a journal. Well, I've always been terrible at that. And which I look back and I think, man, I wish I'd wrote a lot of this stuff down because, you know, God spoke to me and and told me some pretty profound things. and, And now he reminds me just enough that I'm aggravated because I didn't. But think about it. When's the last time you repented? And so a repentive heart is a pure heart. A repentive heart is a productive heart. A repentive heart is a changed heart. A repentive person has changed directions. I mean, think about it when you got saved. What was you before you got saved? What was you after you got saved? A repentive heart is productive. It has fruit. It produces fruit. A repentive heart produces fruit. So think about it. Are you different after or before? For that moment, I was totally different. And then with every day and with every challenge, and you would think the deeper I get into ministry, the deeper I get into trying to serve God and do right, the easier it would be for me. But it's not. I mean, I have to be on guard all the time. I told Pastor the other day, I said, some days I just, I just want to stay at home. I don't want to go nowhere. I just like stay in the house, stay out in the field, go to the woods and be around nobody, don't answer no phone, don't do nothing. And some days I do that. I mean it gets it gets tiresome. It gets it gets overwhelming. I mean you can't hear this much garbage and some of it not get in you. Right? I mean I see it on T V, I hear it on the radio. I hear it at work. I hear it from this person. I hear it from that. I mean, it's kind of like some days I'm a magnet and everybody's got to come. And I'm very passionate about serving God. I'm very passionate in what I do. I'm very passionate in what God's done for me. And so I get, yes, I do. I get offended. And I think that's what we need to do as a church. We need to get offended and we need to do something about it. Instead of jumping on the bandwagon... And talking about the result of what is going on, then we need to get on the bandwagon and try to figure out how to bind together. I mean, you know, one of the greatest things I think happens is, you know, when the churches come together like we're doing tonight and they sing. Now, granted, some people may think that's a little corny, but I think it's really good. Right? I mean, you know, you've got all kind of denominations coming together. And, you know, what are we doing? Are we singing about how good we are? Are we singing how good somebody else is? Or are we praising God? I mean, why can we not get to that? Why do we keep getting tripped up? It's because by design the devil wants us all fighting amongst ourselves. He wants the wrong message. He wants uh, the false doctrines out there. First Peter says... Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him properly. Well, do you not think that that's kind of how God may deal with us? I mean, are we not made in his image? Made in his likeness? 
Is everything else that God does, does He not call us to do? Do you, do you not think that maybe He might correct us that same way? Look, so I can tell you, I've lost it a few times as a Christian. And I've done some things I shouldn't have done. And, um, you know, and, and most of mine revolves around my temper. Um, you know, we're still working on that. But, you know, I've had some major issues with some, some hands. Um, you know, I got mad and I took things into my control. And then, you know, my hands fold up and fingers don't work good. And, you know, I can't really feel a whole lot with them. And so, I mean, is that... So there is some pain there. There is some things that God will allow you to be stupid enough and then as soon as it's over, he'll go, that's pretty good, wasn't it? Do it again. Huh? Well, how many times do you think I did it? I didn't have to do it. Many times. There's a quote uh, from a, uh, and I'm not a big fan of, of John Brown, but I like the, the quote. It says, to fear God is to love him so that his frown, get this, so his frown would be your greatest dread. And his smile would be your greatest delight. Right? That's pretty good. So making God frown would be the worst thing you could ever do. And making God smile could be the greatest thing you ever did. But can I tell you, it's going to be hard to do without fear and reverence and respect. If it is so easy to do, then why are we not doing it? What fruit as the body of Christ in the United States are we showing? And I'm not saying Victory Fellowship or the Baptist Church or Church of Christ. I'm saying as a country, as a body of Christ, what is the fruit that we show? What is missing from our walk with God? It's fear. It's reverence. It's respect. I mean, all you got to do is flip on the news and see all the things that's going on inside the church. We all live and know people at, at various different churches, and we know the struggles that everyone is going through and what is missing. Maybe not from the church itself, or maybe not from the pastor, or maybe not, but from the body, which has many members. There's lots of members that has not a fear nor reverence, nor respect, or understands the sovereignty of God. Understands the meaning. Understands the great power and the great might that God has. They say they understand the great love, but how can you have that great love for somebody if you do not correct them? I mean, is that not like working against itself? I'll close with uh, this verse. Uh, Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. And repent. Those who I love, I discipline. Again, I don't think we got issues... Um, know that are that are political issues that are social issues i think that's just the cause of the lack of our main issue we have the answer what is the answer it's been right there in front of us for centuries since the beginning of time and just like you know in the days of noah uh, moses Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, every time in the Bible we have the same issue. Every time we go against God. I mean, God uses some strong language. He said, you know, I'm sorry that I created man. Right? I mean, that's pretty strong. But every time the same answer is always the same. We went against God, and we chose ourselves. I mean, look at all around us. I mean, 
How many, how many days can you go with not hearing about somebody getting shot? Right? Killed, raped, kidnapped. Uh, how many days can you go without seeing a, a, a news article about pronouns? And we're not talking about, you know, English class. Right? How many days can you go without seeing something about the Methodist church? How many days can you go without seeing something about the Baptist church? How many days can you go without seeing about the church of Christ? How many days can you go without seeing something about uh, the Catholic church? How many days can you go without, without seeing something about what the Pope has enacted or didn't enact? Again, we're living in those same times. Evil is all around us. And is it embedded in everything that we do? We have to keep diligent. We have to be zealous. We have to repent. But we have to have that fear. We cannot get away from the fear. I mean, it's not all puppy dogs and sunshine. And that's not, that's not what Jesus said. He said, count it all joy. Right? Suffer as I did. Go through what I went through. Count it joy when people persecute you. What have we done? We've, we've welcomed them with open arms. Come get you some. I love you. But again, the answer is the whole book. Not just the parts that makes you happy. Not just the parts that, that, that make your freedom stand out even more. Of, of what you want and what you want to do and how you want to do it. I mean, who would ever thought that we would walk in a gas station and you couldn't see the guy behind the cash register for all the legal uh, synthetic man-made pot? Right? I mean, who would have thought? I mean, who would have thought that that would have turned into what it turned into? I mean, who would have thought that that's part of what, you know, our, our platform for people to get elected is? Hey, I'm going to make my state, and I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, and how you want to do it. I mean, all you got to do is go look at the, the economics behind any of it, and how well are they doing? It doesn't work. It never has worked. Sin does not work. You know, it's like when I used to tell the youth, I said, look, I understand what it's like to be young and, you know, 15, 16. Sin seems fun. It starts off fun, right? The problem is, is it doesn't stay fun. But guess what? That lesson ain't lost on teenagers no more than it's lost on adults. But I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Well, it's going to start off fun, but it's not going to end that way. Y'all stand with me.